chapter 34. I want to ask you, um, have you ever needed a second chance at something? Something that counts. I mean, we've needed second chances probably a lot. Um, I know that in uh, doing uh, sports earlier in, in my life that there were many times where I would have liked to had a second chance at a shot or a second chance at uh, some, some part of, of a competition. Um, there are a lot of things that, that we could use a second chance with, but there, there are things that really matter that I think sometimes we could use a second chance at. And we... Um, you know, in terms of counting our blessings, should count the blessing, uh, this one pretty, pretty high on the list and pretty profoundly, that we serve a God of second chances. Um, and as we go through the book of Exodus, uh, I think, and as you roll through the Old Testament and, and even into the New, as, as we um, learn about the New Covenant and, and Jesus Christ and Him giving His life, to pay for the sins of humanity, um, that we would become children of God through Him. Um, you, you just see this theme over and over that um, while man is unfaithful, God remains faithful. Um, while man can be cruel and rebellious in heart, uh, that God is, is ever gracious and merciful to those who turn to Him seeking His mercy and grace. And so this morning we're going to look at Exodus chapter 34. Um, we're on the heels here of, of uh, the Israelites making some pretty disastrous choices in terms of worshiping a golden calf and, and uh, violating the covenant not just a little bit, but going right to the throat of the covenant in, in the way they're violating their covenant with God. And uh, obviously God expressing His... Uh, displeasure in that and um, in Exodus 34 we have uh, Moses uh, God giving Moses some instructions and reminding a lot of a lot of uh, what we're going to read today is um, we see some repetition here where God's spoken his commands the commands that are associated with the people keeping this covenant walking in covenant faithfulness with him and uh, so we see a, a repetition of some of these commands being reminded that these are the commands I want them to walk in. But um, we're going to see here that, that God reveals something about himself um, and reminds the Israelites of uh, something profoundly true about, it, about who he is and about his relationship with the people. Um, we're also going to see that he's going to uh, impart to them uh, part of the why uh, of why it's so important for them to walk in these commandments. And if you remember back in when we went through the Ten Commandments, um, that, that I presented it to you in that the Ten Commandments are like runway lights that mark the runway of God's blessing, that kind of show you the boundaries, and, and that kind of announce that when you live within this, within these, uh, you, you're going to be operating under the protection and blessing of God. And then when we step out of those, uh, we, we step out of God's protection and blessing. And, um, and so here, he's going to actually share something along that lines with the people in Exodus 34 as well. So that's where we're going to look today. 
Um, you, may be, uh, you may be in a spot, maybe you have uh, regrets um, from, from your past, uh, regrets in, yeah, it, it could be all sorts of things from uh, employer relationships, uh, with teachers, coaches, friends, uh, children, spouse, uh, whatever it might be, um, things that you, you recognize that, um, that, that you could have either used a second chance or you're thankful that you got one. Um, and this morning, we just want to look at uh, the God who gives us second chances. And so let's look at Exodus chapter 34, verse 1. And let me just uh, ask the Lord to lead us. Father, we open your word this morning, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would impart to us your truth, that you would teach us your ways, that you would help us to walk in them faithfully with you, that you would help us uh, to be equipped, to be able to pass these things on to others, uh, Lord, to entrust them to others who, who will be faithful to walk in your ways. Lord, we ask that you would teach us, Lord, about forgiveness and um, Lord, about your great love for us, and we we pray that you would just direct us in, into truth as you've promised to do, and find that our hearts are a fertile place for the seed of your word to be sown this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Exodus thirty-four, verse one: The Lord said to Moses, "Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first." And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Remember Moses broke the, the tablets that were given to him uh, when he came down off, off the mountain and God called him off the mountain and, and he saw the people going haywire and worshiping golden calf and, and uh, Moses shared in the anger of God against that. And uh, so uh, the... Uh, the, thankfully, uh, the Lord here has a, a warranty on those tablets that uh, is uh, kind of, even if, even if Moses broke them, the, he's giving it back here. Verse 2, be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite morning and uh, Raise opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. Now, in our in our uh, English translations, uh, we have we see you may have uh, Lord in all caps there in verses five and and six, um, and that is the name of God that He has shared with the people, Yahweh. So it would read Yahweh, Yahweh, 
And then it says, a God merciful. So uh, that, that word God there is, can be used in a generic term. Here, obviously, is used to describe that, that to reveal that He is God of all. Supreme, uh, strong, mighty, powerful God. And, uh, and then later, down in uh, verse uh, 9, we see Lord, but with capital L, lowercase o-r-d, and that is Adonai. This is Moses speaking to Yahweh, but, but saying Adonai, as in it, which shows that he is submitted to the, to the leadership, headship, authority, and sovereignty of Yahweh. And um, so it would be uh, more of a title than a, than a name. Um, and so, so here in verses, uh, in, in verse 5 and, and 6, and uh, as Moses comes and meets with, with uh, the Lord, um, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So Yahweh descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of Yahweh. Um, then Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. There's something that, it, that the people have already be, uh, begun to understand about, about their covenant with Yahweh. And that is that he time and time again has had mercy and grace towards them. Extended forgiveness to them, um, giving them second, third, fourth chances. I mean, we're well into it's hard to even keep count, even by this point in Exodus, let alone by the time we work our way throughout the history of the Jews, to, to see how many times God has, uh, there's been this, uh, God has remained faithful and constant. Um, and in fact, in Malachi, he says, I am the Lord, I do not change. God's never changed, God hasn't gone anywhere. But his people continue to, they'll, they'll draw near to him, then they'll fall away from him, they'll rebel against him, they go through consequences. Uh, the Lord allows them to suffer in their sin against him, that they would be uh, turned back towards him through that discipline. And they, they do, and they would come back to him, and they would ask for forgiveness, and they would repent of their sin, they would renew the covenant with God, and he would receive them back. And, and this cycle just repeats itself all too many times. And, um, and this is something that is profoundly important for us to grasp about the Lord because you and I, uh, we're, we're prone to sin. Um, we're, we're prone, we have a, a proneness in our hearts towards evil, a bent towards evil within us. And, and the Lord is ever uh, teaching us a new way through Christ. But in that bent towards sin, uh, we do some things that um, we don't want anybody to know about, right? I mean, we don't want to share this stuff. It's, it's stuff that we're embarrassed to stand before God and, and have to say, that was me, Lord. I did that. I said that. I did that. Whatever it is. And the shame in that... Um, and the guilt, as we talked about last week, there is a purpose in guilt over sin. And the purpose of guilt associated with our wrongdoing is to bring us to repentance, to produce a fruit 
of repentance within us that draws us near to God and that causes us to turn away from whatever that sin is that, that we have uh, uh, done against God and against others. And once it's accomplished that, that guilt, uh, remaining guilt at that point is, is not from God, but it's from the enemy that's just meant to tell you what a miserable wretch you are and that you don't deserve God's grace, you don't deserve His mercy, you don't deserve to be a part of His family, that you're not worthy of Him. Now, we know we're not worthy of Him, but Christ makes us worthy. By faith in Christ, He's paid the price at the cross. And so the enemy is ever trying to tell you that you're not worthy of that. That Christ's sacrifice is not enough for you. Well, the Lord is, is uh, merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And when we come back to Him, He has more than enough mercy and grace for us. Whatever our wrongdoing was or has been, there is more than enough grace for those who repent and turn to Him. But there's something also important within this passage that we're, gonna, we're looking at here, and that is that while God's grace and mercy, His patience, His love, His faithfulness um, it is extended to thousands, um, that He also says, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So there's also a very stern warning in that as well. That for those who repent and turn to God, that God's faithfulness and grace and mercy is extended to to thousands. But for those who rebel against Him, for those who walk in disobedience, that God is, there is going to be an accounting. And not only an accounting for eternity, but there's a consequence that gets passed on from generation to generation for those who walk in sin and in rebellion against God. So I wanted to, um, you know, as we've taught, uh, gone through a few of the other um, books of the Bible, John and uh, Titus um, and Colossians especially, that that we've uh, taken just a, a snippet of, of the, a passage and um, committed that to be uh, uh, just term, I think we had John's Creed and the Colossians Creed and the Titus Creed to help us uh, kind of encapsulate what's going on in that book, but also to, to help us remember something very important uh, about what, who God reveals in Himself. And what I'd like to do as we continue on through Exodus is to grab hold of this passage where uh, the Lord announces His, his uh, presence here with Moses um, to, to call this our Exodus Creed. Um, and I'd like to ask you to, to join me in that today because I think this is a particularly important passage for us to remember and to commit to memory and to know about who God is. So would you, would you stand with me? as we read this together today. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before Him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. You may be seated. There are three things we find in this particular part of Exodus 34 that that I uh, want us to grab hold of here. The first one is this. Our God is merciful and gracious towards those who repent of their sins and receive Him as Lord. But His grace and mercy do not extend to those who do not repent and receive Him. I want to clarify that a little bit in that I would argue that God does extend His mercy and grace while we are here on this earth to everybody. That God's grace and mercy, uh, even for those who rebel against Him, um, does reach into the lives of people who even rebel against Him, but that only extends to the grave. And once, once we pass from this life, once we take our last breath, the very next thing that the Scriptures tell us happens is that we will stand before God and give an accounting. And our accounting will either happen on the cross where Jesus has paid for the debt of our sin against God or our accounting will fall on us to bear the wrath of God ourselves for eternity. And so that's what I mean by His grace and mercy will not be extended to those who do not repent and receive Him in that While you may enjoy some of God's mercy and grace now, in the here and now, even not even understanding that you're enjoying it, um, if you continue to rebel against Him and, and uh, not receive Him as your Lord and Savior, um, that, that that ends uh, with your last breath, and then you step into an eternity of taking on the wrath of God. But for those who do repent and turn of turn from their sins, who turn towards God, who submit to His Lordship, God's mercy and grace is as long as it needs to be. However deep it needs to be, however wide it needs to be, to cover all that you have needed to be forgiven of and all the mercy that you have needed to receive from Him, it is more than sufficient. And so for those who are tempted to think, well, you know, God can never forgive me of this. God can never forgive me of that. Uh, that's not biblical. That's, I mean, you, that may be your wisdom, but I would just tell you that your wisdom and God's wisdom on that matter are diametrically opposed. That your wisdom is not coming from God's wisdom at that point. Because God says that all who come to Him are going to receive forgiveness. Second thing that we find in this series of verses is this, that our faithfulness to God will impact the eternal destination of thousands, especially among our own family. I read to you there in Deuteronomy, God giving His call in Deuteronomy chapter 6 to the people of God to pass the truths of God, the stories of God, the accounting of His greatness and His faithfulness 
on to the next generations. That that remembrance of him would never be lost. In fact, God places a very high priority on remembrance. The remembrance of things that he's done. We have an incredible, as we just I mean, we talked about it with uh, the teens ministry and uh, just how important it is to invest in the next generation. And especially uh, within our own home, how, how we shepherd our own children. I mean, that's, that's the, the very first place it starts, but it extends beyond that to the other relationships we have in the world. That when we follow God faithfully, it impacts uh, the eternity of others as they come to see Christ through us. And it says that God's, God's steadfast love and faithfulness extends to thousands. The third truth that comes with that is our rebellion against God also will impact generations to move away from God, especially our children and grandchildren. When we decide that, um, that, that maybe we don't need to follow God in this particular, uh, in this particular thing um, or that, or we just choose to rebel against His authority in our life, that matters. And it matters well beyond you. It matters in the lives of others who are watching you and learning from you. Um, in fact, God says that the, the sins of the fathers will visit their children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. We will sometimes make reference to a, a term uh, called generational sin or something like that. Um, there's an impact that we have when we choose to walk in rebellion against God that passes things on down to our children and, and can, can really sow a seed even within our family tree uh, of a, a rebellion against God. And we have to take seriously, as God's people, we have to take seriously that it is not just uh, and this becomes evident as the Scriptures unfold, that our relationship with God is not only between us and Him. Now, when it comes to where we will spend eternity, we directly will account for our own sin and whether or not we have trusted in Christ ourselves. But when it comes to the way we live out our life in Christ, um, that encompasses way more than just us and God. I mean, all of us sitting here are the body of Christ, the family of God. What we do impacts one another. Whether or not we were faithful in the little things this week, it matters in the context of this church family. Uh, whether or not we decided to, to have integrity when no one was looking um, matters in the context of the family of God. What we do in terms of what we train our, our children and grandchildren through the way we live, if, if we model that um, God is just something you do on Sunday and then you kind of just live for yourself the rest of the week, you know, be nice to people, be kind, but, you know, really in, it all boils down to what you're going to make happen in this life. Guess what gets passed on to the next generation? 
not a faithful, not, not a faithful God who oversees us, protects us, provides for us, who we depend upon, um, who is good and kind and gracious and sovereign and, and, and works the impossible in our lives, but rather uh, a very humanistic idea that, yeah, God is out there, but in the end it boils down to just what you're going to make happen. What, how are we living out our walk with God? What are we passing on to future generations? And this is what God made sure His people understood. That we can pass on something good and we can pass on something evil. What do you want your legacy to be? Let's keep going here. Verse 10, And He said, Behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as, uh, such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation and all the people among you. Whom you, are, shall, uh, whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Now this next part, um, uh, God's going to start recounting here pretty shortly several of the commands He's already given to the people. But right here in this, in this passage between verses 11 and 16, He's going to give them an understanding about why it's so important to, to really hold to the commands that He's given. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll kind of look at these commands and think, well, is it really that important? I mean, maybe, I, maybe if I, I, I uh, sacrifice a little here and a little there, justify sin here or there, uh, does it really matter? Well, look at, look at what God says. He says, Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram, for you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when, you, and, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. What, what God is saying is when you begin to, uh, uh, begin to walk, walk out of obeying Him, and begin to, to not uh, hold your walk with Him as being something important and passionate, when you begin to give away the things that you have held with conviction, Little by little, perhaps not all at once, but little by little, uh, you will walk down a road that leads you far from God. This is, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think any, any of us or very few people really set out to just rebel against God. Like I, I don't think most of us don't wake up one day and go, I think today's a good day to rebel against God, rebel against my Creator. No, what happens is we, we find little, there are little things that come into our life. In Song of Solomon, it talks about the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. It's, it's the little things that begin to chip away at, at, our, at our faithfulness to God. It's the little things that begin to, to weasel their way uh, and, and steal away our affection for God, to steal away our love for Him that throw us off track. And so it's important to walk in obedience to Him in everything unless we begin to, as, as He says it here, begin to, 
to uh, participate uh, with the world around us who, who, is making, who are making covenants with all sorts of gods, but not Him. Now, as we go through the, the next several verses, there's a, um, I'm not going to read them. You can read through them. Verse 17 through 24, God recounts some of what those covenant uh, uh, commands are. Uh, but in verse 24, he says, For I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. One of the things that, that is, is so important for us to understand, and it's, it's one of the things I think that is a, a good parenting principle to pass along to your kids, and that is that um, one of the things that obedience does, aside from communicate your, your love for whoever your authority is, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands, uh, it is that obedience also keeps us under the shelter of God's protection and provision. Um, so, you know, when we, ha- when we think about raising children, and, and especially from, from when they're very young, but, um, you know, while they're under our care, one of the things that, that we realized, too, growing up is, is when we stepped out of that obedience uh, of, uh, from mom and dad, that we exposed ourselves to, to certain dangers in the world. Now, they didn't always fall on us, but sometimes they did. But the reality is, you know, just simple things. When you think about, you know, don't touch that, it's hot, right? Well, what happens when disobedience comes? There's the experience of, yeah, that's hot, right? You, we step out from under the protection of mom and dad when we, when we disobey. And so obedience to God is like an umbrella, Really, that while we walk in obedience, we remain under the umbrella of God's protection and provision. Now, that doesn't mean that life is just perfect and there's never any hard stuff to sort through or walk through. But what it means is that uh, God promises a, a protection for those who walk in faithfulness to Him. And when we choose to walk outside of that, we also are choosing to walk outside of God's protection and provision. And what he says here to his people, he, he says uh, in verse 24 that, that when they walk in faithfulness to him, one of the things that, that is going to happen is that they're going to uh, uh, come and appear before him three times in the year. And he says, hey, look, I got your back. Nobody's going to come in and steal your land, steal your property while, while, you're, while you're obeying me. Um, it was one of the things that really, uh, I think, was, was uh, so powerful for me to begin to understand when I graduated, I was graduating college and thinking about what's the next step that I'm going to take, and, and I ended up um, uh, 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 joining uh, Camps Crusade, where they're known as Crew now, um, and, and serving with them, and one of, the, one of the, um, the, the things that was helpful for me to understand, because one of the questions that I know within my own family is I had this discussion about, uh, about serving as a, a missionary with Crew um, on a college campus, uh, was kind of like, well, is that a stable job? You know, what about this and what about that? And, and what it really boiled down to in the end was the, the very safest place for me to be is wherever God wants me to be. <laughs> it's the, the best place, and when I say safest, I, I, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not going to break my leg or nothing bad is going to happen to me. I'm just saying that, that in, in, the, in the scope of, of spiritual matters and stuff that matters for eternity, the best, the safest, the most protected place for me to be is wherever God has directed me to be. 
Um, we think about, uh, think about the disciples out in the boat, and the waves are going crazy, and uh, Jesus is walking up, and they realize it's him, and uh, Peter says, hey, Lord, if it's you, call me to come to you, and, and he does. Where's the safest place for Peter to be in all of that? To stay in the boat? I'd say no. I'd say the safest place for Peter to be is wherever Jesus told him to go, which was happened to be walking across the water. And so it is for us. The best place for us to be is right where God tells us to be. And it might look different for each one of us. God might take us down a little different road for each one of us, but for every one of us, it will involve uh, walking in faithfulness to Him. To remember that He is the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. As we continue on in our passage here, uh, God again, verse 25 and 26, reminds of some commands that He had previously given. And then verse 27, And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So He was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Church, I want to just remind you that your obedience, your faithfulness to the Lord is never in vain. In fact, Paul told that to the Corinthian church at the, uh, the end of, of his letter, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There are things that we can pour ourselves into that matter for, um, for a few days, for a few years, um, but there are also things that we can pour ourselves into that matter for eternity. And let us be diligent to make sure that we're working, laboring in the things that are going to matter well beyond our number of years here, but that impact the eternal destination of many beyond us. This morning, as we, um, as we remember these truths, we also come together to remember that God, that while God is, uh, while we are not faithful to God so many times, that He, he just never ceases to be faithful. He is just always faithful to keep His promises from the very beginning, from, from, even from Genesis. God promised that He was going to, uh, to crush Satan. And, um, and then came Christ. And it looked to, to uh, God's enemies, it looked like defeat when Jesus was hanging on the cross. But what looked like defeat to them was part of the victory. Victory over sin and victory over death for those who would believe in Him. And so we come to our time of communion to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That it was for, it was for sinners that Christ came and gave His life. That he hung on the cross and died our death, really, a sinner's death, to take on the wrath of God for us. Not just the wrath of God against our sin, but the wrath of God against all those we love, 
of their sins and the wrath of God against people we've never even met, their sins. Um, Christ took it all on himself. And we see his anguish uh, as he approaches the cross, dripping sweat, uh, sweat, uh, sweat of blood and uh, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Christ bore the, the weight of the wrath of God against the sin of the world, but it says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. And it says that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and the shame of the cross. It was the joy of Christ to take on the sorrow of the cross to rescue you and I from sin and death, to give us a hope and a future as a, as a part of the family of God. So we come to our time this morning of communion to remember the sacrifice of Jesus to give thanks to Him and to celebrate the fact that we no longer have to walk as sinners in this world, but as um, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God, forgiven by Him. Let's pray and then we'll join together in communion. Father, we are so thankful for You and all that You've done for us. We haven't deserved it, but Lord, that You have poured out Your love Toward us, that you have shown your grace and your mercy, your faithfulness, your steadfast love towards us sinners, that even while we were still sinners, you, you sent your son to die for us. And we thank you for that. We thank you um, for forgiving us. We thank you for giving us the hope of eternal life. And Lord, we just, we want to, we want to just, Lord, with gratefulness come to this time. And Lord, proclaim your name, for there's no one worthy of your name apart from you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. You may make your way to about, uh, about God's faithfulness and this relationship with his people says, but they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Some of you may have thought you were uh, hopeless cases, that you had wandered so far from God that there was no chance of coming back to Him. But I know that as I've spoken to several of you, uh, your testimony rings loud and clear that God's grace is sufficient for everyone who turns to Him. And seeks his forgiveness. 
And so whether, whether young or old, I want to encourage you, God's, God's grace is ever extended to you, and he offers his forgiveness to you now. And I want to encourage you to, all those who are really trying to do your part, to find ways to invest in, in the next generations, the truths of God, uh, whether it's as grandparents, I know some of you take that job very seriously to pass on the love of Christ to your grandchildren, uh, whether it's as uh, if you're a single, that you're looking for ways, how do you encourage that next generation of believers who's going to walk with Christ? Uh, how, how do you impact them uh, to walk with Him and model that as parents, how you train your children and invest in them? I just want to encourage you, church, uh, the, the world is competing against, against us for the hearts of children and our youth. And so we need to be invested in training them up in the truths of God. So Lord, bless you as you uh, take that on. And Lord, bless and keep you.